So a couple of years ago, when I was in India, I go every year, every February, and um, every trip is a little different. This year, that one year, it was uh, different in the sense that um, we had plans for a whole second week with a, another person who was supposed to come, and they didn't make it over to India because uh, we had some, some uh, visa issues. And before we know it, I was there by myself for a whole week. And um, sometimes it's an opportunity. And so um, the leaders there, they decided, hey, why don't you go on this kind of a prayer slash encouragement tour to the north area that we uh, normally visit. And I had never been there before, and so um, I actually like going to new places and exploring. I thought it was going to be quite a great trip, and um, they, they, you know, they, they told me that these are, there are these heroic church planters who are out there, and they're just struggling, and so and they could use some encouragement. So I was like, oh, I can, I can be of benefit. So I went on this trip, and when, um, on, on the way there, they, they, they rented this uh, white you know, uh, tourist van, <laughs> Um, and with like, it, it, was, it was actually kind of ornate, and I was like, oh, I don't want to drive in this. I thought I was supposed to be like underground. That's the only way to keep me safe, uh, because uh, in those areas, you don't you normally see somebody, uh, an American, per se. And I just felt really safe. I felt like, man, God's sending me. I'm good. Uh, my wife was a little worried. I was like, don't worry. I'm fine. I'm, we're good. We're not going to do anything stupid, and so on and so forth. And of course, we didn't. But we get to these different places, and, and we're just, I'm just doing my thing and just really feeling like God is, uh, really has such an incredible heart for these areas, for these pastors. And uh, I went and visited this very young pastor who is, is such a beautiful heart, loving the people with everything he has. And um, he was actually serving, uh, they, they had just rented this church, which was in town, inside the military base. Long time ago, the Brits had made a church, and it's supposed to be a landmark. And he was just so proud. He's like, "Please come and see my church." I was like, "No, I'm okay. I don't even need to see it. Please come and see my church." So I felt really bad. So I said, "Okay." So we get to the gate, and I had no idea that military bases in India are very strict. And they let him in, and they realized I was in the same party. But they they found out that I'm an American. All of a sudden, they're like, "You need to give us your passport, and you need to stay right there." And I was like, "They took my passport." And all these soldiers with guns are around. And I'm like, what did I get into? Uh, I wasn't expecting this. And I was sitting there for like 30, 40 minutes. And the pastor with me was kind of nervous. He's like, this never happened to me. Uh, they're always really nice. I don't know what's going on. And they were waiting to get their, their commanding officer to go ahead and give the okay. And the whole time I'm thinking, okay, uh, God, if something goes ugly, you know, I'm praying for my, my, my wife and my kids. And I'm ready to go. You know, that's why I'm in India. I'm ready to go. But all these other fears, all these other small stuff kind of creeping in my mind. But uh, the whole time, God has actually given me this strange confidence. And, and anybody who's walked with God, followed God in the big, you know, when, when things are really real, the confidence that comes is the same and real. But it was really interesting because when I was having this conversation with the CEO who finally showed up, you know, he wasn't really scary, wasn't mean, but he made this off comment that put a chill in my spine. He goes, you know, you're a very strange American. I'm like, really? Okay. It's like, you walk around here like nothing could happen to you. You know, we, you know, you know it's like kind of like saying, you know, Americans out here aren't very safe. You know, like you're, so I looked at him like, are you threatening me? I'm like, should I, should I be? In, you know, he's like, no, 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 don't worry. I'm not going to do anything bad to you. But then, like he said it again. You're a very strange American. You know, Americans are don't, shouldn't feel so safe around here. And when I walked out of that place eventually, I never got to see the church. He wouldn't let me in further than past the, the front area. I, I looked at my surroundings a little differently. And I realized, well, maybe for the first time, wow, um, this is not a safe area that it looks like out in the way boonies up in north, north mountains in India. And every time, it's kind of interesting, 
that I got a little glimpse of how unsafe I was. On the flip side, a wave of, I got you. You don't have to worry. I'm with you. And a freedom kind of emotion. And I think that's what he was saying. He was like, you know, that, that CEO is kind of saying, what's wrong with you? Why are you so unafraid? And part of it was naivete. It really wasn't. I knew it was not, not the safest area. But part of it was I just felt so at rest in God. It is a strange experience to be in a place where you shouldn't feel safe. And yet because you know God is with you. You know you are doing his will. You are following him. You feel so at rest. It is a strange experience. But actually, it's not strange for those who experience God and walking with God. It is the very experience that we're called to have day in, day out. Um, I read a lot of stories of missionaries. I read a lot of stories of the church that's persecuted. I read a lot of stories. And sometimes, like, I, just, I get so moved at the courageousness of Christians in those contexts. Um, and I got a little taste of that when I was in India. Each time I go. But the interesting part is, it's the little things in my life, the little things that I let fear and anxiety kind of influence and motivate me. Even on a trip when I go to India, you know what I'm most freaked out about? It's really sad. This is, I, God always reminds me. Uh, I get to the airport, and I'm, I won't give them my bag, okay? I have to carry on my carry bag, because once um, one of our team members lost his bag, and he had to, he had to borrow my underwear. You know? <laughs> it was a traumatic experience of like, never again. So I, even in a domestic flight, I carry this you know, carry-on bag. I don't care. Like, I'm really anxious about the bag. And God's probably thinking to yourself, you know, it's okay. You're fine. Why do you have to be so worried? But like, I'm just waiting there and I'm praying. And if our bags come out late, I'm like freaking out. It's the little things. It's the little things. The things that I'm afraid of losing. It's the little things. Sometimes of the way people look at you or little comments that they make. And on the one hand, you're like, we can have this boldness. But on the other hand, yeah, even in the middle, the, 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 you know, you're just sitting there, and before you know it, a, a thought passes your mind. You know, what if we don't have enough? Like, I, my kids are going to go to college soon. I'm starting to think about, ooh, college. You know, they just kind of whiff through your heart and your mind, your future, okay, your needs, your finances, the people that you care and love, their future. These things that are so important to us, oftentimes, we allow fear to motivate and we can hear these stories of people on mission or our missionaries. We can experience this, the seasons of boldness and confidence to be and to do as a person who's following Christ. But oftentimes, the battle of actually following Christ is not just in the big, it's in the small. We are going through a whole series on what it means to follow Jesus. That every Christian is a Christ follower. Not just washed in the blood of Christ, cleansed, and no longer bearing the, the wrath of God, you have a ticket to heaven. But actually, it's a whole different identity. Not just loved like a child, as a child of God, but in fact, as a follower of Christ. This defines us. And we've been walking through this. What does it look like to be a follower? And we talked about how a follower doesn't have to be the super Christian who has everything, who knows everything, and is a perfect, as perfect in their behavior. In fact, in order to follow Christ... You have to be a sinner. You have to be someone who recognizes you need someone to follow. You need to grow. You need Jesus. Um, we've talked about also last week about what does it look like, and this is Pastor Richard, what does it look like to take next steps with Jesus? That you have to sometimes even go and take an inconvenient step to trust him, and then God shows up. And that his goal ultimately is for us to follow him in everything. Today, we're talking about 
the reality that when you follow Jesus, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to learn, you and I are going to have to learn how to handle fear. Because fear is always in contradistinction with faith. When you try to follow God, even in taking an inconvenient step, fear is going to emerge. And in fact, fear is the very place often that we find is where God wants to work. He wants to weave in us a deep trustedness where from here on out, we no longer live caged uh, like mice. Instead, we can have this boldness. So the message is called fearless. And for our demographic, we like that word, you know. We want to do these risky things. Uh, not all of us, some of us. You know, we want to go and, and, you know, climb these huge mountains. We want to fly off a plane. We want to do these, you know, amazing things to say, look, I'm fearless. Look who I am. I am awesome. That's, that's, a, that's kind of like, some people are even adrenaline junkies. I know a little what that's like. You know, like, you feel like really powerful when you can overcome your fears. Um, but this is a different kind of fearness, fearlessness. Not a fearlessness that comes because you have overcome the challenges with your own courage and your own resources. It's a fearlessness that comes because you know God, and you know God is with and for you. Big difference. In the book of Matthew, as in the chapter that we're in, uh, in fact, sorry, uh, Matthew actually is talking about what do you do when you have fear? Because uh, in this setting, this is kind of like a sermon on mission, Matthew's talking about, uh, I'm going to send you into the towns. He's t- talking not only to his, to his uh, close disciples, but all the disciples that he's been training. And he's saying, I'm going to send you on a mission trip. And this is what you're going to experience, not just this time, but in general. When you are following me, these are the things that you're going to experience. Uh, and so you heard that passage where it says, so you don't have to be afraid of them. This is the backstory. What did Jesus tell them before he told them, don't be afraid? Okay. Um, He's not just talking about fears and phobias, and all of us have them. He's talking about this. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Okay? Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and not as, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard because you're going to be handed over to the local uh, authorities and to be flogged in the synagogues. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if we had a flogging? Somebody who had, that you tore their back and then you start whipping them till they bleed? You know, because that's the punishment that you're supposed to receive when you're an enemy of God. Can you imagine what they're hearing? Don't expect that people are going to like you. They're going to clap and say, oh, we want more. Don't expect they're going to actually respect you. In fact, you might be handed over to the lo- local authorities and be flogged in synagogues. On my account, he continues on, this is, this is Matthew chapter 10, verse 18. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. And this is not like, oh, you get to meet, you know, Bill Gates. You get to meet, like, you know, uh, the, the, the princes of, of, of Britain, you know, uh, Prince Harry. It's not like you're encountering a celebrity. You're, you're up there because you're on trial. And your fate is being discussed here, right? When they arrest you, not if they arrest you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. And Andy Stanley, who talks about this, is kind of like, he's putting himself in that situation, and he's like, if I'm arrested, I'm going to be flogged, and my life is in peril, I'm not going to be thinking about, what do I say? I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to me? But in fact, all of this is being prepared for them, saying, be ready, because all of these things can and happen. Um, brother will betray brother to death. 
father his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm at the end will be saved. This is not easy stuff. Come on, guys. Go on a mission trip. Experience God. Get a little, you know, exposure to culture. Have the time of your life. This is, whoa. Who would sign up for a trip like this? Okay. In fact, every time I share about India, and each year my schooling experience sometimes gets a little hard. It gets challenging. I'm, I'm out of my comfort zone. And I, I always get at least one or two people who say, Pastor Martin, you shouldn't tell about, you know, all of your troubles because nobody's going to want to go. <laughs> it's kind of true. Who would want to go? But I love the fact that Jesus is so honest. When you follow him, maybe you're not going to have these experiences. Your children are not going to put you to death, right? <laughs> um, there are going to be experiences where it's going to blow your mind. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel suffering just on account of him. You're going to have to make choices that rubs up against your family. That's going to be tough because it's going to be inconvenient and more so, uh, even with your finances. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to experience persecution even. This is not just for missionaries and martyrs. He's saying, if you follow me, you're going to face fear of people because people are not going to be happy with you sometimes. You're going to face fear of circumstances because you're going to be put in a situation where it's not, doesn't always feel perfectly safe. Now, just because you feel safe doesn't mean it's safe, but actually he's saying when you're out following me, um, you're going to have to have, you're gonna have to know how to handle fear. And so he gives them this to remind them, even though all of this is true, there's a greater truth that will, when, you, when, you, when you allow it to sustain you and when you experience it, it gives you a boldness. It gives you a sense of fearlessness. And so after all, saying all of that, Jesus says, so, given all of that, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them, all those people, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, hidden that will not be made known. What is he saying? He continues on, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roots. This is the first thing, the first reason why they shouldn't be afraid. Okay? He gives three. Here's the first. Number one. Why, why shouldn't you be afraid? And at first, logically, this doesn't make much sense, but actually it begins to root out where your heart is. He's saying, there's going to come a day when everybody is going to know who you are, how you lived, all the choices that you made, all the words that you spoke, all the steps that you made in following Christ, it will have come to fruition. All the ways that people not only stepped up against you, all the ways that people uh, didn't understand you, all the ways that people took the easy way out, it's all going to come out. The truth will emerge. God who sees everything is going to wrap everything together. If you're so concerned about what's going to happen to you in the present and not be aware of who's in control and how it's all going to play out, that's the big mistake that you can make. Now for us, that doesn't matter much, does it? It's kind of like, wait, you're telling me that one day everybody will know? Yeah, not that important. It doesn't really help me that much. But in fact, that begins to say, it begins to help us to understand, what am I living for? What's really valuable? Is the present, is the avoidance of pain, is the avoidance of inconvenience, the thing that life and following Jesus is about? Some people actually were told, 
and I, I, I saw a lot of this in church as well, that when you come to Jesus, all your wounds are healed, all your finances are fixed, everything is good, you receive dignity and you receive life, everything becomes pleasant. And you know what I can tell you? We get a taste of this incredible love, incredible experience of God, but there is also the other side where we get challenged. Following Jesus is not easy. And our faith only begins to grow when we realize, what are we living for? Who are we living for? Now, sometimes, you know, one of the things that actually I fear and that really is, I'm anxious about sometimes, I don't even know why, is when people totally misunderstand me. It's, it's a strange thing. I think part of it has to do with when you're a pastor, your reputation counts for a lot. Not just for yourself. It's for, in fact, other people. Because these days, pastors are slipping up. And we're all human. We're all a mess. You know, we're all hot messes, but God is gracious. But when, when somebody's pastor's reputation is really hit hard, guess what? People who've trusted in God through the pastor, they also, their faith goes through a difficult thing. I've seen so much of it that I get really sensitive. And I, it's kind of a strange thing that, in fact, when somebody misunderstands me or puts a uh, bad light in what I'm trying to do, I get really defensive. And I find, I find myself thinking, why am I trying to defend myself? I have these complicated reasons. But ultimately, if somebody told me, don't worry, God sees. What do you, you know, you're in, you're, in a, you're in an argument and you're trying to do something right and somebody says, don't worry. You know, I don't care what everybody said about you, God knows. Does that help you? Does that help you? you know, if I tell it to my kids, they're like, what does that matter? <laughs> what does that matter? Well, Jesus is saying, it matters. There is such a confidence that when all is said and done, Every person who put their trust in God and, and followed him, even in the midst of difficulty and inconvenience, even when they were hit with misunderstanding, even when they were persecuted, all of this is going to be brought out to the light. And he's saying we can be bold. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, you get this little picture of, you know, if somebody slaps you across the cheek, you know, don't be aggressive, give them the other cheek. If they take your outer cloak, give them your inner cloak. You know, there's just almost like a, be kind of, trusting in a passive way. You know, in this Sermon on the Mission, Jesus is saying, no. What I tell you, whisper to you in the dark, go ahead and shout it out in the rooftops because this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in this way. When it comes to to trusting in him, not only for your life, but actually going out on mission for him, living missionally for him. That's the first one. Don't be afraid because God sees and everything is going, there's going to be a reckoning. Everything is going to be revealed. Okay? The second reason why we shouldn't be afraid, why we can be fearless in this. And this is a strange reason if you pay attention to it. Something that sometimes we don't quite get. It says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Hmm. What does that mean? They can actually hurt you. They can imprison you. They can flog you. Your body and your, your very life is really in danger. But don't be afraid of them, even though they can do all of this. Rather, be afraid. This is a command. This is imperative. Okay. This is, the, this, is, this is a place in Scripture where it says, be afraid. Show fear. Have fear for the one who can destroy soul and body in hell. That's pretty heavy if you think about it. Yeah. What is he saying? Don't be afraid of those people who seem to be a huge threat. Be afraid of the big one, the one who actually could be 
when you're on the wrong side of him. And this is where sometimes even in the scriptures, people, uh, they, they portray Jesus and they portray God as this little, you know, as this little, you know, little cat that wouldn't harm, harm a, fl- a, a little, little, you know, kitten that wouldn't harm any, uh, uh, a fly. That's just so soft and so loving and so gracious and so on and so forth that, that you can just manipulate if you want. But in fact, the picture of Christ is the Lion of Judah, okay? I don't know if you've ever been around lions. They are scary. Now, uh, this lion is not ravaging. This lion is not, gonna, is not destructive. There's a nobleness in this lion, as we know. What does it mean? We are called to actually realize more powerful more strong, more consequential than the ones who can take your life or the one, is the one who has control over your life, your physical body, and your eternity. The stakes here are so much bigger than we realized. How do you have a fearlessness when you're facing somebody who's threatening your life? Okay? You have a fearlessness because you know someone who is actually even more Uh, consequential than that. That your very eternity and your life is actually in his hands. When you have a fear of God, when you realize how powerful he really is, when you respect him, when you honor him, it's not like, don't hurt me, God, but God, you're so big, I don't want to mess with you. When you have a deep reverence for God, it changes your other fears. Over the way, Oswald Chambers, who wrote uh, a little devotional, Nobody knew how influential this devotional was going to be, um, but it, it became the most uh, read one ever, um, my utmost for his highest. And he has this line in this devotional that says, the remarkable thing about fearing God, revering him, understanding how great he is, that he's not to be messed with but followed instead, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Okay? When you have the most powerful one who can not only kill body but soul and who also is that gracious and that good on your side and you're doing his will when you're living for him, all these other little fears like, did my bag make it, you know, uh, in the airplane, um, all those little fears, somehow, they don't bother you anymore because the big one, God, is with you. The flip side is also true. Whereas, if you do not fear God, then you fear everything. Isn't that interesting? When you have this fear of God, this deep awareness of how great he is and how he's also for you, a fearlessness becomes. Nothing else scares you. It might, but it doesn't motivate you. It doesn't shape you. It doesn't stop you from following. But you know what? When, when you don't know who God is, when you think he doesn't know where you are, he's not that big, he's not that great, guess what, and you live accordingly, then you're subject to all kinds of fears. So that's the second one. Do you know God? Do you, are you aware how big and how awesome he really is? And even pastors sometimes, I got to tell you, we forget. We forget. Because pastoring is sometimes a helpless activity. You can't force somebody. You, you can try. You can guilt somebody into it. You can try to manipulate them. That's the worst thing to do. Pastors, all they can do is pray. They can live a life of example. They can preach and they can love. But actually, that's not that powerful versus the other tools at, at the disposal. And sometimes, it's just, we, we I, I, I've, I've prayed prayers before. God, I don't know if you can do this. You know, I'm being honest. Like, 
I don't know how it's possible. And then God shows up, and he does something that you could not have done in a million years. You couldn't have imagined. And you go, oh, I'm so sorry, God. But that's the life of a follower, not just a pastor. You get to see God do miracles, things that you never could have imagined. And it starts, even in your own heart, where all these other fears are just pushed away. Here's a third reason why. It's kind of associated with the the second. Why we should not, we can live fearlessly, but we don't have to fear. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. He's making an argument here. Okay? Back then, sparrows were very plentiful, as they are now. They're all over the place. Okay? They're not very distinctive birds. They just kind of eat and they fly away and do so on and so forth. And he says, two are sold for a penny. Sparrows are very cheap. They are the, most, they're the least worth, uh, worth, worthful, in other words, least um, kind of in terms of cost-wise, uh, of the animals that they know. So he's using an analogy that everybody be very aware of. It's kind of like, it's like it, you can use the language of penny. I mean, who, if you drop a penny, how many people pick up a penny? Some of you I know are really, really cheap, and I know you do. But most of us are like, oh, whatever, it's just a penny. Okay? It's a passing thought. Okay? Who cares about a penny? What can a penny purchase you? What's the value of a penny? That's kind of like the language here. Okay? He's saying, you know, pennies are worthless. They're the, most, they're the least worthy or worthful thing that, that, that are there. Okay? Uh, but guess what? Um, sorry, I'm going to go back. Pennies are worthless, but God, okay, uh, not even one of them as they fall to the ground escapes the Father's care. What is he saying? God is paying attention to even the sparrows that fall. God is not just counting every penny, but he's counting every aspect. He is that meticulous. Okay? Now, this is not meticulous in order to count pennies and to make you held into account. He's not like some legalist. You know, I mean, some of you have bosses like that are looking at every little thing you do and what progress reports and are just, oh, you missed that. You didn't cross that eye. You made a mistake here. He's not like that. He's meticulous in care. He is that thoughtful. He is that invested. Why, why, can, we li- we can, live this, why how, how can we live this fearlessness? Not only that, he sees everything, and one day everything will be out, and everything will show. He is that powerful. He has power to kill body and soul. But this God who is that powerful is also this meticulous in caring for us. He knows exactly what is going on in our lives. You ever had a moment like that? You're like, God, do you see? Why are you allowing this? Are you really in control? And you feel like you're spinning out of control? There is that feeling that God is not there. And Jesus is saying so clearly, the, the least worthy of an animal that nobody cares about, he, it doesn't escape his care. Okay? Continues on in saying, don't you know that even the very number of hairs on your head are being numbered? Okay? Um, hair is valuable, right? If you, if you actually, you know, um, uh, if you are going to buy a hair extension, those are expensive. Hairs are valuable, right? But in my house, they're not that valuable because I have three ladies, and I... I can tell you after they've done taking a shower, it's, this, is, this is what happens. Okay? It's, it's all over the place. And if I ask them, okay, how many hairs did you lose? They go, I don't know. Right? <laughs> um, we don't care. Right? It's, it's actually more of a nuisance. He's saying, but this is just an illustration of how meticulous God is in care. 
He knows exactly how many have fallen. He knows exactly how many are there. He's taking an active count. If God is that meticulous with the number of hairs on your head, that means there is no detail. There is no need. There is no aspect of your present or your future that, in fact, that he's not already accounting for. He is that good, O Father. That powerful, that strong, that you don't want to mess with him, and that active and that hands-on for your good in your life. When you realize that, something changes. All these other fears, they just kind of melt away. We don't always live that way. We always think that God is watching, but it's not a good thing. And we don't pay attention to all the fact that, in fact, he's watching, and it is to our good. We don't realize, in fact, everything is under his meticulous care. This is a little silly, you know, cartoon story. Um, This is when back then they would actually have uh, cafeteria lines, and you would go to the line, and there's a story of, you know, uh, in the front of the line there was these apples. And it's a Christian school, and so they put this, you know, little sign up to say, Take only one apple because God is watching. Take only one apple because God is watching, right? Well, you know, at these kinds of schools, they're always, you know, kids are like this. They're always testing the boundaries. They're always making all the little technicalities. I live with girls that are like this, right? They're always, you know, finding all the little technicalities in the, in the legal system. And so the school put up a sign, take only one apple because God is watching. But a kids, at the end, there was pile of chocolate chip cookies and the kids put up their own sign you can take all you want because God's watching the apples (laughs) don't we love to do that God you can watch this but not this yeah you're there but you're not here right and the great part is God is always watching not as this policeman trying to just take the joy out of life. But as someone like a father who is not just only protective, but actually knows how to train those into a place of fearlessness. This is what it means. This is what Jesus means when he says, don't be afraid. You are so much, you have so much more worth to him than just a couple sparrows. You are so much of worth to him. You know, I realize one of the things that, at least in our environment, uh, in our generation, we have a strange, strange fears. One of the fears is actually to be invisible, okay? You know what that feels like? You go into a room, nobody recognizes you, nobody gives you any, re- any kind of respect, nobody gives you any kind of uh, appreciation. You're a nobody. And interestingly enough, in New York too, you don't want to be a nobody. Nobody's get stepped on, nobody's get nothing. And there's a strange fear. I've got to make a name for myself. I have to be somebody. And oftentimes, we actually equate that with worthlessness. And God has to say, there is no nobodies in his kingdom. There are no nobodies in his family. Every person's following of him is so substantial. The stakes are so high. This might be a place where we start to think about what Fears motivate us. Fears to be a some, I don't want to ever be a nobody. You know? Sometimes we parent out of fear. My parents parented out of fear. They didn't want me to experience 
the suffering that they did in the post-war context. And so they pushed and drove us to get a good education so that we can live and live with status because they have their nobodies in this immigrant world. And you know what? I realized a lot of their parenting, they couldn't help it because that's, you respond that way. But a lot of it was built off of fear. And I would say, mom and be a pastor. Like, no! Why not? Because I'm afraid you're going to suffer. <laughs> like, hmm, interesting, you know? Um, but we're all like that. Some of us are, past, are, are, are leading out of fear. We're, we're parenting out of fear. Fear is a powerful motivator. We're built that way, okay? We're built to pay attention to the thing that is most threatening, to make it that thing most consequential. If you're in the water and this happens to you, okay, guess what's, what you're going to do? Uh, you're going to run away, swim away as fast as you can. You know, if you can, you can think about it. Because if you've ever seen Jaws, okay, you know, half of the country after seeing Jaws, couldn't take a bath in the bathtub anymore because that's how afraid they were. I'm not joking. This is before horror flicks and everybody's desensitized. It was that scary. Think about it. You know, fear is a powerful motivator. But here's the problem. Fear motivates you to run away from the thing that you think is the most important. It doesn't actually empower you to think, who am I becoming? Where am I going? Who am I serving? Some of us are making really important decisions, even of our finances, based on fear. God is saying, be generous here. I'm like, no, I can't. Because I can't trust you here. I can't trust you here. I'm afraid of poverty. I'm afraid of losing everything. I'm afraid of having nothing. Those are very real fears. But they also are diagnostics. They show you exactly where God wants to put a fearlessness in you. A fearlessness to say, when you follow me, I'm going to provide. I'm going to protect. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Even when you go through these ups and downs, I am going to show you how faithful, how good I am. I'm with you every moment. I am counting the hairs on your head. All the little details that you're going through, I'm there. The fear can be an a diagnostic. Think about the thing that keeps you up at night. The thing that concerns you, the anxiety that actually is rolling through your heart and mind. That's the very place where God's saying, if you follow me here, if you trust me here, even to the point of these people who are, their lives are in danger, guess what? I get to show you that even past that, through that, I'm going to bring life out of you. I'm going to bring you faithfully through. It's always been fear versus faith. Fear versus faith. In your grace groups today, you have a chance to talk through some of that. What in your circumstances, what in your inner heart are you wrestling with? And that God can come in, and through prayer and through trust, you can actually experience a, a boldness. Um, we're also going to have a time where we're talking about going to India. And if you're interested in experiencing, not fear, <laughs> but an interesting God showing up in ways that you'd be so surprised about, giving you this confidence and a boldness to do things you never expected, guess what? That's the opportunity. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's not just for missionaries, not just for martyrs. It's for every Christ follower. Would you bow your heads in me as we pray?